Welcome everyone to another podcast of Modern World Zen. This is Josh Barzell. So last episode we were talking about how one can meditate in a group. And it's what we should be looking for. I think that most of us are more comfortable being around other people now. And I think that um, it's something that we should continue moving towards. And I did mention, you know, what it's like to have someone who's not causing a disruption, a disruption in the group, but someone who's not really there to meditate. And when you're not there to meditate, that's sort of a disruption. Uh, you know, it's sort of a, a disruption to the uh, to the group. And that's that's why you should make sure that anyone in the group is there to um, meditate. Okay, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about what we can expect to get from meditation. And I think there's a lot of things that one can get from meditation, but really the least important is just a sense of relaxation or calm. That's really the least important thing. The, the most important thing is really to lead one to enlightenment, to God-realization, to self-realization. And that's why the Buddha meditated. That's why Muhammad meditated. You know, because there is a goal of divinity that one can attain through meditation. So I think anytime you're dealing with meditation, you have to be dealing with the mind to a certain extent. Um, because the mind is there. It, it's, it never ceases to function, even in enlightenment. So how does one deal with the mind? Well, one of the ways to, see, to deal with the mind is to see the mind as God. To see the mind as exactly this, of the same essence of what you're trying to attain. To see the mind as the self, to see the mind as consciousness. And there's not too much written about this in psychology, in this vast, great field of psychology. I mean, we, I say we, I'm not a psychologist, but psychologists might, you know, or we Westerners would say, okay, yes, the mind is amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm studying the mind. I'm, I'm a psychoanalyst. I study the mind. I, so there is an aspect of worship of the mind. And this is right. This is correct. This is correct. This should, the mind should be worshipped. And that's why, generally speaking, people who do study the mind tend to be very peaceful people. Because they give the mind itself a lot of respect. And even if you're not a psychologist, if you're just a meditator, you should also give the mind the same amount of respect and love that a psychologist or a scientist or a psychoanalyst would give to the mind. The same amount of respect and love that someone who studies the mind would give to the mind. And that shouldn't be too hard to understand. Um, so that's how we're going to go about it. And we're going to also see the mind as, as chitti or consciousness. 
And, um, and when we do that, then the mind actually becomes more stable and still just on its own without having to do any talk therapy or be on any medication or anything like that. The mind actually just becomes calm when you think of it as the light of God or as the light of consciousness. So let's see what else we can kind of gather and, and think about what it is we want out of our group. And I think that, um, you know, we, we're, we, we live in a, a sort of a, a goal-oriented society. You know, we live in a, in a society where we're always looking for what we can get, you know. And it's very hard to turn off that part of our personalities. We're looking to say, okay, well, I'm going to meditate in this group for an hour or whatever, and what am I going to get? Like, what, what is in, what's, what's in it for me? And I think, like I said before, calmness is, is something, but also self-realization. Realizing oneself as the self or as consciousness or as God. And you could say, well, that's impossible. How could that ever come to be, right? But if you look at, if you look at um, consciousness, what is consciousness, right? Consciousness is also matter, right? Because consciousness is what is used to perceive everything. So even, you know, even matter is consciousness. And that's actually what the physicists are thinking about now. They're thinking about consciousness um, when they start to look at the nature of the universe. They're looking at something like consciousness, I should say. Eventually, they will figure out that it is consciousness that's at the center of the universe. And that's really what they're doing. I mean, that's, that's the new, that's sort of the new um, physics. So let's look at consciousness as giving rise to matter, right? And so that's why we say that you don't really attain the self. The self is already attained. That's what's said in the scriptures. You know, that's what is, what is written. And, and that should make sense because we already are consciousness. We don't need to attain consciousness. We just need to attain the realization of consciousness because you can't take consciousness away. We, none of us walk around realizing that we're consciousness. So... Consciousness is also God. It's not separate from God. And so we do, we, we, we could or we can realize ourselves as God. That's not too far-fetched. And it's in every creature. You know, it's in every atom of the universe. It's in every creature. It's in every animal. It's everywhere. Right? And... So we can think about the universe the way we'd like to think about it, but really it's nothing other than our own self, which is who we are, which is what we are. So when we, when we do that, then we see oneness. We see that it's just one God pervading everything. Yet we still see differences. We still see this disparity. But it's nothing other than Shakti or Kundalini or God. That's the truth. 
And in the same way, the body is also a part of that. So even though the body looks like it's skin and organs and blood and all sorts of other things, it's really consciousness. Just like threads in a shirt are nothing but threads, the body is, nothing, is also nothing but consciousness. And that's how we should think about how to pursue understanding of the body, to understand matter, to understand how the body works, to understand how the mind works, how the brain works. This will really help researchers who are interested in the nature of the mind, or even in the nature of the body, when they think about disease, or when they think about what health is. So how do we, how should we think of finding God in the mind? Well, God is the witness of the mind. This is also what's written in the scriptures. And so we, we recognize an entity, a witness, that's watching all of the thoughts, that saw the dreams we had last night, that is aware of everything we've done, good or bad, in the course of our lives, or in the course of our day, you know, and that's God. That's the witness. That's how you find God in the mind. So God is in the mind. And so, but how does God function in the mind? Well, God gives rise to all of our thoughts. So you can't really, you know, so people say, well, you can't conceptualize God. In a sense, that's true. You can't. But you can think about what could be giving rise to all of your conceptions. And that is God. So God is not something that you're really thinking about necessarily, but it's something that is actually causing you and making you think. Just like we were saying, consciousness is in the body, consciousness is also in the brain, consciousness is also in the, in the mind. And it's causing all of the, the, these processes to happen. So we should always be thinking of what's behind our mind, in our mind, activating our mind, not our mind. We can worship the mind and love the mind, but when we do, we should be aware of what's behind the mind and what's making the mind function. And this is what psychologists do too, because they're looking at, you know, why is this mind this way? And so they're looking at behind the mind all the time, but they may not be aware that they're actually looking at God. But they should be, they should be aware of that. So this witness is always present. It's even present in sleep. It never, it never goes away. Our awareness of it goes away. That's what we were saying in the beginning. You know, we're not God because we're not aware of ourselves as God. But that doesn't mean we're not God. Right? In the same way, the witness is always there. Even though we're not aware of it, it's still there. We need to be aware of it, but we're not, you know. And so people who are God-realized are worshipped as God, but it's not as if you and I aren't God. We're God too. It's just that we don't have the awareness that we're God. So that's the Lord of the universe. You know, and, um, and we should think of ourselves as Him. And a great mantra is, I am, I am that, I am that, I am that. Which also turns into I am that I am, 
I am that, I am that, I am that, I am. It's the same mantra. I am that, I am. And that's that's something you can use on the in-breath and out-breath. In-breath, I am. Out-breath, that. And that's the mantra we can use. It's also called hamsa, or soham. And it's an in-breath, I am, out-breath, that. And you look at the space between your breath. And you find God in the space between your breathing. But generally, we don't think of ourselves like that. We think of ourselves in terms of man, woman, black, white, Jewish, Christian, rich, poor. We think of ourselves as the body. We repeat the mantra, I am the body, I am the body, I am the body. And this is sin, according to Vedanta. And the virtue is actually to think of yourself as I am that. I am that, I am that, I am that. And you you can use the breath to repeat this mantra. And you just repeat the mantra all the time. And that can be what you use when you do meditate. So in the group, that's the meditation that we'll be using in the group. We'll be using the mantra, I am that, in the group. Repeating the mantra as we're meditating with our breath. And in that way, we would be repeating the mantra and meditating for an hour, say, in the group. So, I hope that everyone got something from this episode. Um, I like to keep them short, um, just because, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for you and it's easy for me. And I certainly have given you enough to practice. So you should be practicing your mantra and um, using the mantra for the 15 minutes. Not just meditating, but meditating with the mantra. And that can deepen your, your experience. And again, it, it could make you very calm. It could make you very peaceful. But ultimately, the meditation um, of I am that, say, the, the meditation with the mantra, I am that, brings you to um, self-realization. So hope everyone can try that at least for 15 minutes today or whenever you have a chance. And um, just become very absorbed in the mantra as you're meditating. And it should be really good for you. It should be excellent for you. Even if you're a psychologist, it will be very, very good for you and your practice of psychology. So again, I thank everyone for listening. Um, this has been Josh Barzell. We will do something again next time. But for now, please practice, try to practice, and uh, let me know how it goes. And uh, we'll talk next time. So this has been Josh Barzell for Modern World Zen. <laughs>